LastChanceArt.com podcast, seven messages to help you establish your relationship with Jesus Christ. In this lesson, I want to speak about how to create a soul-winning culture. There's three parts to this, so pay close attention. And let's begin with the scriptures. The Personal Mission of Jesus Matthew chapter 18 verse 11 For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. John chapter 3 verse 17 for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world throughout him. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15 This is a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. The collective mission and with thought of T. True Jesus followers. Matthew chapter 28 verse 16 to 20 then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The Principal Method of Fulfilling the Jesus Mission Mark chapter 16 verse 15 to 18 And he said unto them, All of you go into all parts of the world and preach this good news to everyone. He that believes your message and is baptized shall be saved but he that that does not believe the gospel shall be damned. And these signs shall follow the people that believe the message about my name. They shall have power to cast out devils. They shall speak in tongues. They shall fight against angelic serpents. They will not be hurt by poisonous doctrines. Furthermore, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Consider what Jesus is doing. Only 43 days after he was crucified, the church is not in a riot. It's not in politics. It's standing next to Jesus as he gives them the Great Commission. The Great Commission is regroup, win souls, go into all the world, preach the gospel. With the mission being obvious, we know how to tune everything we do, whether it's your job, whether it's your lifestyle, whether it's your neighborhood, whether it's your community, we are to go. We are not to be housed, warehoused in a monastery. <laughs> we are to go and find people to put them into the kingdom of God. In order to create a soul-winning culture, a leader must do three things. First, remove fear. Second, remove hatred. And third, implement order, proper order. And I'm going to explain each of these three topics in detail. In the church, there's much social anxiety for witnessing. 
The Holy Ghost is given to people to give them power to witness, and this power must overcome fear. And of course, the root of Holy Ghost of the Holy Ghost is love. Love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And so the first step for a leader is to remove fear in a congregation of personal witnessing. You'll notice that most people win souls in the first two years that they come into the church, and then their oikos dries up. They don't produce anymore. And this is because of social anxiety. We do not train people to make new friends in their neighborhoods, at their job, in their community with groups that they join. And so it's important that we remove fear from people's hearts. A second kind of fear other than social anxiety is peer pressure. You can see peer pressure at work in the church when we compare each other among ourselves. You know, taking offerings publicly uh, with a basket in the front is a form of fear. People are afraid not to be matched with others when they give an offering. But this is typical of peer pressure. Children, middle-agers, teenagers are, are especially susceptible to this kind of fear that they want to go along to get along. We must teach people to remove this fear that the truth sets people free and that persecution comes when we preach truth. Fear of persecution, peer pressure, is a second kind of fear that we must remove from people. You'll notice that uh, Peter got thrown into prison immediately after he began to preach. And of course, an angel uh, unleashed him or uh, opened the jail cell for him. And this is because he had his fear removed. The church began to pray. They turned Jerusalem upside down. They had no denomination. The Romans and the uh, uh, established Orthodox Jews wanted to persecute them, but yet they preached. And Stephen is the perfect example of somebody who preached without fear. Yes, he lost his life, but what happened was a tremendous revival that scattered throughout the whole world. And so removing fear is of primary importance for a church to experience high growth, soul winning revival. A third form of fear is people that do not conform to the norm. Uh, when we create traditional cultures, okay, from traditional churchianity, people uh, do not understand that they do not have to fit that cultural definition. It's important to understand that culture is the values that we hold. It is the mores. It is the way that we conduct our lifestyle. And having a soul-winning culture is important, and removing fear, fear of not conforming, is important. People are unique, like every snowflake is different, and their style of evangelism might be different than my style or your style. And so we must permit them to self-actualize. We must empower them to overcome any type of fear of not conforming to some sort of church norm that we put on them. Winning souls requires us to remove fear. And finally, in this part of the uh, podcast, leaders must remove fear from their own heart. Fear of division causes us to be oppressive, to preach that uh, somehow there's an infallibility of the leader in the front, that uh, the leader must have slavish obedience and conformity, uh, that uh, saints do not have an opinion, they, they cannot uh, communicate when they differ with the leader. I think that kind of fear uh, 
is a fear of division, and we should not fear that. We should embrace people's unique differences. We should embrace the fact that all of us are different. We should embrace the fact that all of us are at different states or different journeys in the process of becoming like Christ. Oppressive control and domineering speech by a leader is a form of fear. Let perfect love cast that fear out. Trust God that he will help you. What we teach people is very important. Yes, doctrine is the first step, but doctrine continually being preached is not the issue. The issue is the fruits of the Spirit. We must teach people that the heart of God is his character. We must absorb the character of Jesus Christ. Fruits of the Spirit, the Sermon on the Mount, these are the cultural values that we must plant inside of people. A love culture that overcomes fear. The next thing that needs to be removed from church culture is hatred. First, let's begin with self-hatred. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves. People that hate themselves will oftentimes retain bitterness and anger towards others. They will look for groups that they don't agree with and hate them. This is especially true of political hatred. In a country that's badly divided between left and right, and sometimes wrong, it's easy to hate people that you do not agree with. It's easy to be involved in political hatred. But personal hatred, hatred of yourself, is the root of all hatred. Next, we need to make sure that we do not hate the brethren. People that are different from us, that have different values, that we don't get along with. We must, we must find a way to be tolerant, to coexist without hating each other. You may not agree with somebody's ministry, but if it results in someone being saved or coming to faith in Christ, being baptized in the name of Jesus, we must find a way to support them. Tearing churches down does not uh, produce revival. There's always something wrong inside of people. Jesus didn't commit himself to men because he knew what was inside of men. At the end result is people always resort to self-preservation. Narcissism is uh, rampant in our culture today and in most cultures. And so we must be aware that we must be tolerant of people's differences inside the church. We must prefer and love the brethren. While I'm saying that, uh, many people decide that they won't uh, participate in, in other social groups because they hate the values that those groups hold. Now, this is wrong. Jesus had dinner with wine-bibbers and sinners. How can you produce fruit in the church if you don't interact with people that are involved in sin? That doesn't mean we should partake of sin, but we should hate the sin, but not the sinner. But yet, inside the church, many people hate others that are in sin, and uh, they are vocal about it. That's not our job. We're to live a quiet and peaceful life. We're to preach the truth in love. If we hate people, we will not establish relationships with them. We must learn to love people that are in sin. That's what Jesus did. He loved the whole world. He loved the whole world, left, right, and wrong. And God gave his only begotten son because he loved the world, the sinner. Thank God he's been patient. He's been patient and tolerant of people's differences, cultural differences, 
social differences, political differences, can we say that we are tolerant, which to me is one of the pillars of a love culture. We must remove hatred from people that come into the church that are bruised. Hurt people hurt people, and they must be healed, and removing hatred is key to a soul-winning culture. And the third element of creating a soul-winning culture inside of a church is order. Now, when people hear the word order, they think slavish obedience to authority. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is everything must be done decently and in order. First, the feeble-minded must be comforted, but not enabled to bring a church into disrepute. The Pharisee must be sent to the sideline, okay, and not permitted to be an example to the flock. We must make sure that we have a proper order, and that includes these types of things. Number one, we must personally be modest, modest in our speech, modest in our behavior. With regard to our speech, we need to have holy speech. Criticism rarely affects change, but love produces fruit. When there is chaos in the world, it is a direct reflection that worship in the church is not in order. Are we having church to keep the cash flowing, or are we there to love sinners into the kingdom of God? The poor are rich in faith, but the wealthy have a difficult time entering into the kingdom like a camel going through the eye of a needle. One wise man said, if you'll take the people nobody wants, God will continue to give you the people nobody wants. The poor must be ministered to, and that is one of the key elements of revival. Truth is part of keeping order. We must get rid of traditional church doctrines that are not found in scripture. And I could list a whole bunch of them, but I would probably offend most of the people listening to this podcast. But I would say this, is that if it came out of the third century, the first four councils, you can guarantee it's wrong. Furthermore, part of order is the gifts of the Spirit. Churches that lack the gift of the Spirit are not practicing love because love ignites, love ignites the gifts of the Spirit. First, we must absorb the fruits of the Spirit, the character of God. And once they are absorbed, then what we can do is guarantee that God will begin to manifest His gifts. If signs and wonders and healings and miracles are absent, it's because our worship is not in order. We are not practicing love correctly. Maybe we have inordinate control and domineering uh, leadership. That does not produce love. Criticism does not produce love. Love produces more love. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. We should start a uh, ministry, a coursework that focuses on the fruits of the Spirit for the purpose of igniting the gifts of the Spirit. You'll notice 1 Corinthians 12 defines the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13 commands us to practice love. And 1 Corinthians 14 shows us how to control the gifts of the Spirit. Controlling the gifts of the Spirit is a function of the confirmation. We should never let a prophecy go that does not have a confirmation. We need to make sure that people that prophesy have a confirming voice so that they do not go overboard. My pastor taught me that if the devil can't get you out of the ship, he tries to get you to go overboard. And superstition is what everybody fears. 
that uh, the gifts of the Spirit can fall into disrepute. But we must be willing to uh, put up with some error in order to have the real gifts operate. It takes time. Practice makes perfect. Enhancing the gifts of the Spirit requires that we get close to Jesus Christ. Holiness is simply your proximity to the Lord. It's not a set of codes or values from the Old Testament. It is getting close to God, and it begins with our morality and ends up with our sanctity, our sanctification. Can you say praise the Lord? I hope this podcast has helped someone okay, to establish a soul-winning culture, the values, the lifestyle that uh, bring the kingdom of God to a lost world. And we're to go. We're not to stay in the church 24-7 and be in a monastery. <laughs> Many people, when they come into the church, they're hurt and they feel relief when they get into the church. They get new friends. They don't feel any criticism. They begin to heal. But the problem is, is that we can turn our churches into monasteries where their people are there 24-7 and they never go into the world. That's not from God. That's not the Great Commission. If your church is a monastery, find a way to produce a soul-winning culture. God bless you. Thanks for listening to LastChanceArc.com, a seven-message podcast series to help you establish your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you.